Then he says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So he began with little thieves and robbers, but there's the big thief, the one who's behind it all. And that's a reference to the devil. The Lord is my shepherd. These words from Psalm 23 find their meaning in Jesus as we continue in our 23rd episode of Life's Meaning and Purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Hello and welcome to the Transforming Lives Together podcast. The purpose of anything that is considered counterfeit is to deceive us into thinking it is what it appears to be, the real thing. This is ultimately done to take advantage of us and to steal that which is valuable. While the saying, ignorance is bliss, may be popular, it is certainly not true, and many have lost much at the hands of these false shepherds. We must know the real thing in order to guard our hearts against the counterfeits of this world. In our lesson for this week, Jesus identifies the counterfeits as being those who climb over the wall or enter the sheep pen through another way instead of through the gate. As our Lord puts it, The one who enters another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus is our shepherd, the good shepherd, who lays his life down for the sheep, and whose voice we must know in order to follow him and avoid the traps of the deceiver. Before we turn it over to Father Ward, we would like to say thank you for your time as you tune in each week. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by the content of this podcast. Please listen through to the end to learn how you can connect with this podcast and with all that is happening at St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church. And now, with this week's lesson in the Gospel of John, here is Father Ward. The Lord be with you. Father God, we thank you for another day. We thank you for the privilege it is to know you, to be your church. Thank you for the blessings we have in Jesus. Thank that the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. You have set us apart to be your people, to be that light that shines in the darkness. We pray that you would equip us as we study your word so that we can see who Jesus really is and why it's so important to follow him and that when we follow him, we have everything we need and we have all the potential uh, for a great life in this life, but also uh, wonderful hope and uh, future uh, and eternal life in Him. So we thank you, Lord, and we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, please open your Bibles then to John chapter 10, one of the most uh, popular of the chapters because this is the chapter where Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. So, John chapter 10. If you have your Bible, just turn to John chapter 10. If you've got your pew Bible, turn to 1072. Make it a little easier. So, we have here, this is really not a parable. I don't know why they call it, but not a parable in the traditional sense. But it is a metaphor. But it's a very meaningful metaphor. Okay, so, but before he says, I'm the good shepherd, he says, I am the door or the sheep gate. So let's uh, pick up here. Verse 1, Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief 
and a robber. So basically, you've got shepherds were very popular in Israel. Many of the leaders of Israel were shepherds, chief among them, King David. Shepherds were responsible for taking care of their flock, their sheep. And there was one gate to enter into the sheepfold, the area where they would be grazing or, or when they were coming home. Only one way. And Jesus is saying that there are those who are going to climb in another way, and those are thieves and robbers. So what is he talking about? He's talking about false prophets. But he's setting, he's setting the stage here. He's kind of laying the groundwork. So verse 2, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's only one door, only one right way to get in. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. A shepherd would have a distinct call. The sheep would know the voice of the shepherd, know the call of the shepherd. They would not respond to another shepherd. So each flock responded to its own shepherd. And the shepherds would know each of, they would give names, believe it or not, to their sheep. You know, they're almost like, like we do for our pets. So there is that personal connection between the shepherd and the sheep, and the sheep would know their own shepherd's voice and respond. They wouldn't go somewhere else. Verse 4, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So not only do they recognize the voice, but they follow the shepherd. So there's a pattern here that Jesus is trying to highlight in terms of if we're going to be in relationship with the living God and specifically Christ. We recognize the voice, we hear the voice, we recognize the voice, and then we respond by following the voice and specifically the shepherd. Verse 5, A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So he's going into more detail. Verse 7, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So now Jesus goes from a general principle of highlighting the role of the shepherd and the sheep, the role of the sheep gate, and the choice that uh, is presented, that there are going to be counterfeits, thieves and robbers. The sheep are not going to go, obviously, for the thieves and robbers, but they're going to go for their own particular shepherd. So he's kind of set the, the stage, and then look at what he says. He says, I am the door of the sheep. So he's the means of entryway. Then he says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. When he talks about those who have come before him, thieves and robbers, there had been a number of false messiahs of people who pretended to be the Messiah. And you look at it throughout world history. You've had that since Jesus's time, even after Jesus died and was buried and he rose again. There were false messiahs. That's one of the reasons why Rome came and totally destroyed the city because they were tired of dealing with this, uh, with the Jewish uh, rabble-rousers and and those who were trying to to, uh, cause problems. But you could say that we've had this problem throughout human history 
of false Christ, false messiahs, false prophets. That's why Jesus warns many times throughout the Gospels to be careful of wolves in sheep's clothing. He warns many times to be careful of false teaching. And he says that before he comes again, there will be many false prophets and teachers. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. So not only is he the only, he's the actual door, the sheepfold, but he says that it isn't just to go in and be in a safe place. It's not just to go in and find pasture, but it's actually for salvation, that he is the means of salvation. But not just salvation, but actual great life, abundant life. Go in and find pasture. And then he says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So he began with little thieves and robbers, but there's the big thief, the one who's behind it all, and that's a reference to the devil. Now, Jesus taught that there is a devil. Jesus believed that there's a devil. The scriptures are very clear. In fact, it was in John 8, where Jesus says that your father is the devil to those who were rejecting Jesus. And uh, that would be in verse 44. I don't think I put that down in your notes. You might want to put it in your notes. It's 844 where Jesus highlights that uh, there is a actual devil. So you'll see on the second page at the top, that should be 844. So 844 says, uh, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So notice how what Jesus identifies the devil as a murderer, and a liar. So here in John 10, Jesus warns us of the thief who steals, who kills, and destroys. Now notice the progression. Stealing is taking that which you have away from you and any potential. Well, actually, that's that's destroying. Killing is one thing, but remember, Jesus says, don't worry about the one who can kill the body, but worry about the one who can throw both body and soul into hell. Destroy is even worse than killing because destroying means that there's no more potential for any life, any rebirth. It's kind of like, you know, you can kill something figuratively, my mind escapes me of getting an example. I'm not talking about killing the body. I'm just talking about you kill something, right? You stop it. You put an end to it in this life, you know, whether it's uh, whatever. Well, there's an opportunity for, for the team to come back, right? For something to come out of it. But destruction means there's no opportunity for rebirth. So you see the progression. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. It's pretty, pretty bleak, pretty extreme. This isn't a little thief. This is the big thief. This is the devil. And it is the devil, the spirit of this thief, who is behind all the other 
little thieves and robbers. Now, something I did not mention in your notes, but keep in mind, there's a difference between a thief and a robber. You know that? A thief is really sly and slick. A thief is the one who picks your pocket. A robber comes in by force. And you see, Satan and evil operates both ways. Slick, deceitful, slithers in like a snake, but also forceful. So Satan is likened to both a serpent and a wolf. Wolf is not subtle. Well, they may be subtle when they're sneaking up to you, but man, they go right for you. They're pretty overt, especially when they're in a pack. Snakes are a little, are, are oftentimes subtle, subtler. Anyway, okay, so let's keep uh, going here. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So again, the whole purpose of Jesus coming is not just to save us. He's not just to give us life, but he's supposed to give, or he's come to give us life that is of abundance, that there's a lot of it. It's, it's just wonderful. It harkens back to the garden. In the garden, Adam and Eve had everything they needed, everything they could want. That's why when people say that, oh, people just have to have all their food and all their needs and opportunities presented, the problem with mankind is his environment that is false. Now, I'm not saying that you're not, if, you, you know, if you're poor and, and there's hardship, that doesn't mean that people aren't going to struggle more. And it can lead to crime. But crime is usually more a result of families breaking apart than families working hard to be together. It's not the environment that's the problem. The reason why it's not the environment that's the problem, the Bible tells us, is Adam and Eve fell in the perfect environment. The Germans had a great environment by the end of the 30s. They were the most industrialized nation in the world. They were really firing on all cylinders. That didn't keep them from going uh, down the wrong path. Environment's not the problem. The problem's the heart. So we have Jesus as the door, and now he says the uh, fourth I am statement, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So what's great here is that Jesus is both the means of salvation, he is the door, the sheep gate, we find salvation and we find fullness of life, through him, but he's also the shepherd. So Jesus Christ is the means as well as the end. This is kind of reiterated in John 14 as well as in other places, but specifically in John 14 verses 2 and 3 where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. So you see the whole thrust of this is to show it's about entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But he is the means of that relationship by virtue of not only who he is as God, because God's the only one who can enable us to be worthy for salvation, but he is the means because he's the one who dies on the cross for our sins. He's the one who goes to Calvary so that you and I don't have to. We still suffer the consequences of our sin in terms of physical death, but we don't have to worry about an eternal death. Jesus takes our place. So he is the means, but 
Because he does that, we now have the opportunity to be in right relationship with him. That's why this is so important. When he says, I am the door, as well as I am the shepherd. Now, what's really neat is he says he is the good shepherd. Do you remember what he said? I believe it was in, um, I forgot which uh, couple of gospels in the synoptics, uh, where he says to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. Remember that? Because the, the young lawyer, he, he was thinking, he was viewing Jesus as a man, and he was identifying Jesus, the man, as good because he had this philosophy that one could become good by virtue of one's own good works. And Jesus, being a great exemplar of goodness, he says, good teacher. Remember, Jesus said, call no one good, only God is good. And ultimately, Jesus was not saying that he was not good or he wasn't a mere man, but he was pointing us to the fact that he truly is God. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd... He is saying he's God in two ways. A, that he's good and only God is good. And B, that he's the shepherd. I want you to turn to your Bibles briefly if you keep your finger in your uh, that one page to Psalm 23. The most beloved of all the Psalms. Psalm 23. You'll see the parallel between Psalm 23 and everything Jesus has said about him being the good shepherd. Remember he says that through me you're going to find salvation and pasture. I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, but I am the good shepherd. I care for my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep follow me. But now look what it says, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So David wrote this when he was a shepherd before he became king. It denotes a personal relationship with the living God. The Lord there is Yahweh. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. It's not some force, not some higher power, not some figment of one's imagination, not some pie in the sky. No, it's the living God who's with you with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you have anointed my head with oil my cup overflows so there's abundance surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of the light of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever see exactly what jesus promised so when david says the lord is my shepherd and jesus says i am the good shepherd jesus saying i am the lord and so it's Jesus who gives us all this and enables us to experience all of this. Now what's fascinating too, you've heard me share this in a few sermons here and there over the years. It's a review for some of you, but it's a great, wow, it's just pretty awesome. There's three times where Jesus is identified as a shepherd in the New Testament. The first is in John 10, which we just saw, I am the good shepherd. That represents Jesus as God, as the good shepherd, the same shepherd as David addressed in Psalm 23. But the emphasis of the title good shepherd is Jesus' death, his crucifixion. In 1 Peter 5.4, the apostle Peter writes, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So the chief shepherd there who there, who is appearing as Jesus again, 
But he's appearing. When is he going to come again? When are we going to receive our fullness of our crown? It is second coming. So the chief shepherd represents Jesus coming back, his return a second time. So we have the good shepherd who died for us, the chief shepherd who's coming back for us, and then we have the great shepherd, now the God of the benediction, the last chapter in Hebrews. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. So Jesus is identified here as the great shepherd, but specifically this is the great shepherd who rose again who was brought up from the dead. So you have the good shepherd who died for us, the chief shepherd is coming back for us, and the great shepherd who rose and lives for us. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus dies for us, he lives for us, and he's coming back for us, all represented in the shepherd, good, chief, and then great. So this is very important, understanding who God is, and it's very, very important in terms of biblical theology, both Old and New Testament. You have been listening to the Transforming Lives Together podcast, a ministry of St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Tonawanda, New York. For more information about the church, including a list of our service times, please visit our website at www.stbartston.org. Again, that's www.stbartston.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating or a positive review. Both will help in reaching more people with this podcast. If you're on Facebook, head over to facebook.com slash transforming lives together podcast and give us a like. And if you're an Amazon Alexa user, say, hey Alexa, play the Transforming Lives Together podcast to hear the latest episodes. We hope you will tune in next time as we continue with Life's Meaning and Purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Until then, we leave you with these verses from Peter's first letter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God bless.